It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. You're listening to the Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Hello, everybody. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. Welcome to episode five of the Noise Cancelling Pod. We're glad that you can join us again for some of you. We've seen some some really cool people listening in from overseas. I think New Zealand, Australia, Germany, all over the place. We we thank you for your for your listenership. Is that is that the correct term? Uh, we also want to thank the early reset for that that rousing intro. We love that song. We we thank you for those that that commented on how much they loved it. It's a keeper. Uh, I think for for the time being, it's 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 staying. I I would venture a guess forever. As, as long as this this dear podcast will last so thanks again for joining us um one note on today where this is actually going to be an interactive pod where uh, we'll share this topic from today and then we're actually going to make the uh the spreadsheet available to anyone that would like to go in and add uh actually we'll talk a little bit more about what the project would entail but we, we'd love to get some input from you guys and some thoughts on uh your your top list from previous year. So so with that, Axel, I'll turn it over to you. You can kind of introduce our our year of lists. All right. So the topic for today is going to be our discussion, our review of our best purchase or experience by year, and we're going to go back to around 2003 and kind of where this concept came came from. There's been a few times when people have recommended really interesting or cool things to me, and just as a joke, I mentioned to them, "Hey, I think this is in my like this is at least in my top five for." best new item of the year and so at first it was just a joke and then I started thinking about I was like man it would be kind of cool to put something like that together so I kind of had been thinking about it and then uh, this last week I actually sat down and we both we actually both sat down and kind of put together our lists so uh, Frank who do you think we should go first and we'll get this thing started I think looking over the list, yours is is very complete. I think it's uh, multifaceted and dimensional. So I, I think you should start it off first. I know I'm going to go back and actually do a version two for the interactive. So if you guys listen and say, wow, Frank's list was pretty lame, stay tuned because the Google Docs could potentially just blow your mind. So I'll turn it over to you, Axe. All right. So I'll start off. I'm going to hit on some runner ups before I get to the, uh, my main on a couple of these years. So the uh, the first thing, 2003, so just for a life perspective, that's right, the year that I graduated college. And up until that time, I had hard contacts. And I don't know if anyone's ever had hard contacts, but they are not comfortable. At least mine were not, especially when it's dusty and windy. And so I actually never, hardly ever wore them. I pretty much never wore them. And, uh, and so I was doing a final eye check before I went into the Air Force and the, the lady is like, oh, you have hard contacts? Do you wear those? And I said, no, I don't even wear them. So then she just recommended soft contacts. And then like I've never looked back. I And I've had soft contacts ever since. And I actually wear them. Like I never, I could only tell who people were by the clothes they were wearing. 
So if someone got a new outfit, I wouldn't recognize them at first. That's insane. So there's that. How could you live like How could you possibly live like that? I just, I just never wanted to wear them. And I only wore them, I think I wore them for hunting. And um, there was like two other, and even hunting was terrible because it got dusty. And, I, and then, then my eyes would be watering. Can but, you drive? Could you drive like that? Yeah. Well, I had 2035. Like, oh, okay. So it's not terrible, but it's just just not not the best so i was always squinting no. but anyway soft contacts but that was not my number one then uh the other one that's kind of funny is so and my college buddies would make fun of me for this but when i showed up to college i showed up in a uh um a, a like a plaid like a plaid shirt and levi jeans and i don't think i changed my style throughout college like i just kept that strong and mm. then like the first summer out of college i I went shopping with my buddy in this mall and I found buckle jeans. And so I had my first non-Levi pair of jeans and I showed up to, I can't remember what it was, some sort of a meetup with all my college buddies. And man, they joked with me for the whole time about how I had, they're like, hey man, where's your old Levi's? You got these fancy designer jeans on, man. And and I think the worst part was I showed up and there was still a sticker on one of them. So like they knew that I just... (laughs) I just bought them, <laughs> but I've I've worn the, that brand of jeans ever since. But the number Man. one thing uh, in 2003 was weightlifting as a primary workout. So before, well, before I, like in college and in high school, I always thought that weightlifting was dumb or like I I didn't really understand it. And I'm I primarily for workouts I ran intervals, which I think like that's great for your uh, your cardio and VO2 max. But uh, in terms of like, well, obviously in terms of building muscle, that doesn't do anything. And so there, there was one point in college when I, we were all staying around and one of my buddies that lifted looks at me and he said, uh, we were in, in front of a bunch of girls. <clears throat> He's like, hey, X, you want to go to the gym with me? And of course, I'm going to say yes at that point. So I lifted for maybe like six weeks, but I never got into it. And then uh, and then my buddy, Sean, who uh, was stationed with me at Beale, he he got me into weightlifting and that's when like at first it's scary because you don't really know what you're doing in there and so he kind of taught me the basic lifts and kind of got me comfortable in there and then now I think it's the if you're gonna do one thing I think it's probably the most important thing you do in terms of your uh fitness and health of course that's something that we may discuss on a future podcast but anyway I'm just hearing you I was I was really chomping at the bit there to, to jump in but we're we're definitely going to say that for the fitness podcast because it might be one of the few podcasts where we have very deep disagreements yeah on I, philosophy. I, I can't wait for that one all right so okay so 2003 weightlifting so 2004 so now I'm starting to lift weights and I'm like man I kind of want to get in better shape so a couple things that made the list the number one thing that happened was me and everyone in my office started the Atkins diet and like I don't, I wouldn't promote that long term or even now. But one thing it makes you do is if you're gonna eat that much meat, you have to figure out how to cook it because you can't just buy like five pounds of. I mean, you could buy five pounds of lunch meat, but like at some point, you gotta throw a big roast in the crock pot. So I got a George Foreman grill and a massive one, so I could like just cook a bunch of chicken breasts and chicken thighs, and then a crock pot. And I've used those two things ever since because <clears throat> they're. Both of them are very easy. The, like you can have each of them going in 
30 seconds and then it's and then with a crock pot you put it in when you leave for work and it's done when you get home or with the george foreman grill it's done in 10 minutes so those two have really helped me to uh to actually cook cook food instead of going out and eat and i've used those they've been sitting on my countertop ever since i like that is that is that our new tagline at some point you got to make a big roast and throw it in the crock pot. <laughs> that's legit. I feel, like that, I feel like that has some some bigger applications. Yeah, that's legit. <laughs> for sure. So, all right, then moving on. And this is, I don't know, this goes back, this kind of goes back to, well, okay. So now I'm in Sacramento. And the first thing in 2005 was that Squaw Valley was letting military ski for free. Like every single day, there was no blackout days. You could just ski for free. <clears throat> so that was, I skied pro- almost like two days a week the entire ski season. And I found fat skis. So do you, ski, you snowboard, right? Yeah, I snowboard. So like back when skis were skinny, like snowboarders and powder, they could just like, it was way better to be on a snowboard and powder. But then they came out with fat skis and like with fat skis, you can float over anything. Like they, those things were amazing. So I got these, uh, they're called Seth pistols, K2 Seth pistols, like wild looking yellow skis at this ski swap. And man, I'm telling you going from skinny skis to fast skis was amazing. And on top of that, I was skiing at Squaw Valley for free. But the number one thing that, uh, that I found that year was this website called T Nation. So T Nation is this weightlifting website and like I had kind of got into to lifting and then like I was kind of like men's health, men's fitness and some of these other magazines, but like they kind of cater to like the, not the lowest common denominator, but they like, they're trying to cater to the general public. Whereas T Nation is like not pure bodybuilding, but it's a lot, a lot more serious workouts and a lot more um, like scientific discussion on workouts and eating and things like that. And Pretty much that's been the source of all my, uh, a lot of my health and workout information since then. So it's the website I go to, I'll still go to, to this day. Nice. <clears throat> all right. Are you a frequent poster? No, I don't, I never, uh, I had one question, but yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not much of a poster. All right. Then, uh, moving on to 2006 or 2006, I moved to Turkey and the first half of my time in Turkey, I figured out how to blog. So me and I don't, I don't do it a whole lot when when you're there. I think we had kind of like gone to a lot of the sites, but we like I figured out how to post all these pictures and I and blogged all these adventures we were having traveling around diff- different parts of Turkey. And then so at first I figured out how to post the pictures, and then after that I figured out how to post these YouTube videos. So I actually have, and I'd like to go back and look at it, but I actually have a blog with a lot of uh. A lot of cool stories and pictures from Turkey, uh, and also some interesting. Like we went skiing in Turkey, and uh, we got our truck stuck in Turkey. Some some funny videos and stuff from Turkey. So that was figuring out how to do that was my best thing in two thousand six. The ski story is awesome. I uh, I never got to go, and I I love the stories. You should um you should post a link on that too, so people can check it out. Yeah, I, I'll have to because I think. <laughs> I'm like, man, so the funniest thing about that ski story was at the <laughs> at the end of the day, there's a dude sitting down there on a on a snowmobile with a rope. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then I realized it's turkey, so you can just do whatever you want. 
So I don't even think I paid him. I think I just walked up and said like, hey, can you just pull me up the ski slope? And so he just like handed me the rope and just started just screaming up the ski, like right through people. Like there, no regard. It wasn't like a, a separate area. He's just pulling me behind a snowmobile right up the hill. Just like, just like at Squaw Valley. Oh yeah, man. I have to go back and look at that because there's That's a bunch so of other awesome. funny stories from that trip. The truck one is pretty good too. Yeah, highly, highly recommend. Yeah, so I'll have to post those ones on there. All right, so 2007, uh, it's actually two, I would say a tie between these two books. So the first book is Four Hour Work Week. That's by Tim Ferriss, and like people make jokes about it. Like, can you really only work four hours? But I think just a lot of the concepts he has about uh, figuring out how to do things efficiently or figuring out how to do things effectively, I think just thinking about things in those terms, that's really has something I've thought about ever since reading that book. And then the other book I read is I Will Teach You to Be Rich, which has a terrible title. But it actually, I like it because, so it's talking to you basically about personal finance. And the thing is, like a lot of personal finance books talk to you about kind of like, what's good in theory but then if you ask even the author if they can actually hold this budget or hold all these things like no one can actually do it so this Mm -hmm. book says okay what is human nature like how do people actually think about things and then how can i set up my financial system basically to so that i like can actually execute what i'm trying to do so i mean just basic things like pulling out from your for your IRA first before, like don't do it at the end of the month. Like just pull it out first before it even goes into your, into your checking account or as soon as it goes into your checking account or just different, not like it's not complicated, but it's things that if you set those things up when you're young, like the other thing about it is like it would teach you how to set things up. And I would forget about that. I'm like having this money withdrawn. And then all of a sudden I look at my bank account later and I'd be like, Oh wow. There's like a couple thousand dollars in there. So <laughs> probably like a terrible, like shows how bad I am at like closely monitoring my finances. But like, if as long as you set it up, that, that was, that's the perfect reason it's great. Cause if as long as you set up good on the front end, then, yeah, then it, it can work for you over the long term. Yeah. It's for, for the people that, that may have uh discipline, but not, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? I'm sorry. Self, uh, Self-control. Well, yeah. But not self-control. Or, yeah, just the discipline to set it up at the beginning and then just you have to go back and check on it. Not every single day I have to remember to do something. <clears throat> yeah, back to four-hour work week. I think if you can separate out the, the hyperbole or just taking all the concepts literally, I have probably recommended that more than those concepts more than anything. You know, where you, you're looking at something where someone might spend like six hours on it you just like outsource it you know right find somebody else to do it because you can find somebody to do it cheaper i mean in terms of labor hours cheaper and and probably better than you could do it yeah i think it's gotten even it's gotten even more because i remember some of the websites from that book you were you tried them i I know that and and they did not have great results i knew a lot of people that tried those and they're like eh, those websites are okay but but now there's so many people freelancing that you can you can almost get anything you want. Like you could just throw out like I need somebody to sew me a, a hat in two days, and you can be like, oh Etsy, you can get that done. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. 
have somebody like, oh, I forgot how to send a fax. Oh, just outsource it. Like really <laughs> stupid stuff, but I guarantee you can get somebody to do it for less than five bucks. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. All right. So that was 2007. 2008, which we've talked about this a ton, is the Ankara overnight train. So that's not a purchase, but like I talked about before, that experience just changed, changed my mindset in terms of uh, like kind of caring what other people think and just having the right attitude and how, how much, how important your attitude is to uh, your experience in life. So that, that may be my number one, like most life-changing moment, but uh, for sure, 2008, that was number one. Yeah. I mean, in terms of just embracing the moment and just rolling with, with anything really and saying like, well, what's, what's the worst case scenario? Like just keep going. Yeah. I mean, that's uh that's pretty much the the end game of that, but yeah, that was a that was such an awesome and unexpected trip. Uh, on a related note, I also wrote down dance music and boombox because remember we had that big white boombox, and then we would just mm-hmm. take it around everywhere. Like we took it on the train for the second trip and had like a legit dance party on the train, and then oh yeah, and then we would just take it down the street, and people I don't know what it is about Turkey, but people would love it, man. We'd have just oh my gosh. Remember when we had it in an Adana, and like by the time we got to the to the place we were going, there was like fifteen people dancing around <laughs> with us. Yeah, I, honestly, they just loved having fun and like being silly. And I guarantee it, like you could walk around the U.S. and people would just be like giving you dirty looks. Oh or yeah, probably swearing at you. But yeah, the Turks were just like, "All right, let's jump around and be ridiculous." <laughs> they loved it. It was great. So they loved it. All right, so then uh, 2000, so that's 2008. 2009, I have, and we talked about this before, is Urban Scout Train. And the thing that's unique about that is that, and I, that at the time, I was, I was in my master's program, and I was paying like $2,000 a class for these classes, and I, I probably couldn't name half of them. And then I, there's this Urban Scout Train where they teach you how to uh, bust out of zip cuffs, pick locks, pick handcuffs, get out of the trunk of a car, uh, figure out how to do disguises. And it was 700 bucks. And I was thinking, man, this is a big, like this may be kind of a waste of money to spend 700 bucks on this. But afterwards, I realized that I talk about that way more than anything I did in my master's. And like, I don't know if it's actually useful, although it's kind of interesting knowledge to have. But for sure, in terms of uh, what I got out of it, I have urban scout training there instead of my masters. Well, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to judge the value until you're put in one of those situations. So, I mean, hopefully you never have to use it, but I'm sure if, if the time I actually had to use a little bit this morning, (laughs) we're, we're at a hotel and I'm not sure if I did it or um, if my son did it, but somehow my two-year-old got locked in the bathroom. Oh <laughs> I was like, gosh. all right, let's think back to some lock picking classes. <laughs> and uh, luckily, it, it came back to me after after a few minutes of messing around. But yeah, I was like, all right, Axel, let's think this through. <laughs> oh let's God. think this through. Hey. It wasn't like a tumbler lock or anything, so it was, it was pretty easy. But yeah, definitely popped up in my mind. And nice. I was like, oh my gosh, my son is locked in the bathroom. Huh. But yeah. So that was that was the excitement for today. That <laughs> That's was pre- great. pretty funny. Yeah. All right. So 2010. This and I don't know. Maybe this is late, but in 2010 I was deployed, and 
I was having like I was having a very stressful time, and like I was went for this walk, and I walked to the BX, and I'm like, you know what? I've I've kind of got into this dance music ever since that I was in Turkey, but I've never actually owned real headphones, and so I went into the little BX and I bought these Bose, aka real headphones, and like the difference between real headphones and just like cheap ten dollar headphones is ridiculous. Like I never realized it until I got those, and then like it's just a whole different way to listen to music and you just hear like the songs are different on nice headphones compared to just the cheap headphones yeah that that does make a big difference yeah i am right now listening on six dollar earbuds so i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) well it depends (laughs) on what your purpose is but yeah especially if you want to if you want any bass you gotta have some nice headphones so all right uh, let's see. So 2011. Now I'm at Hanscom, or I'm at Hanscom here, and I don't know if you. Have where's, you ever, where's Hanscom at? Hanscom in, where's in Boston. At? Oh okay. So yeah. So um, what was I? Oh, I'm thinking about what. Oh god. So I was buying. So in in Boston, like the skiing is, it's like AC, and you need, and then there's no powder, but. So I was buying these like skinnier skis because I had I told you I had the fat skis and like those ones weren't working because I was because it's so icy. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get these skinny skis. Well, then I go into the store and they have these monster powder skis, like humongous powder skis, and they're like half off or something. And so no, he, he, they they were discounted, but then we had to go leave because they're gonna do something else. And so I was talking and. We decided that if I like, hey, if he'll take however much money, then I'm gonna buy these things. And so I went back in there, and sure enough, he was like, yeah, I'll I'll sell them to you for that. So these things are monsters. Uh, like they look almost like little mini snowboards, <laughs> and they're terrible out out east. Like they're absolutely terrible, but they are amazing if you can get them out west on powder. Like just you float on anything. It's amazing. So. Go upping the, I guess, like upping the ante from fat skis up to powder skis in 2011 was huge for me. That's sweet. Yeah, I remember you sent me a picture of it, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, those are so huge. They look ridiculous, and they're heavy, so but they're big. they're amazing. Uh, all right. Oh, so quick, tra- quick travel discussion. What's um? I mean, you, you say ice versus powder. What's your overall take on the East Coast Mountains? Because I feel like I feel like they get dogged on a lot by people from Colorado and Utah. But I, I personally, I disagree. Are you serious? Well, I, I think if you're talking about backcountry and trees, then yes. But I, in terms of just a general ski experience, you get out to Maine, you get to to Vermont. They're, they're it's pretty positive. There, oh my gosh. They're not terrible, but it's not the same type of skiing. Like they're all these skinny little runs that are icy. It's well for me personally. Like I, that's I love going in the backcountry and the trees and the powder. And so like it's just not even an option. Well, have you ever been up to Sunday River? No, I haven't been up that far. Okay, you should you should go up and ski Sunday River. I think you'd like it. Okay. Shout out to Sunday River. If anybody's listening from Maine, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right. Nice. Okay, let's see. Okay, so then in 2012, I was graduating from my master's, and I was at Hanscom, and I was moving to San Antonio. And so as soon as I finished my master's, 
was like, okay, I need to find something else to occupy my time. And so that's when I decided I kind of was into dance music. So I decided I was going to buy a mixer and try to get into DJing. And so number one is buying that uh, the mixer. But then maybe even more importantly was taking this class uh, on this website called Digital DJ Tips. It's an online class. And like it just... I well, I always thought that mixing was like pure creativity, and like people were just kind of winging it. And I didn't realize that there it was so structured. And so that that online class just taught, like, basically taught me the structure. And then like you could be creative within the structure, but I'm definitely more of a like I need structure. I need kind of like a logical um, um, kind of foundation. And I didn't realize that's how it was. And if I was just trying to like wing it, I I would have been terrible. And not that I'm excellent but i think it uh helped me to to be like competent significantly faster than if i was just trying to mess around on my own i don't know i mean i I definitely i can't disagree with your experience but i I know out of your live mixes they're all pretty good well there's one there's one that was a little a little janky early on but but i would say overall the live mixes were were still really good well i don't think i was live mixing until after i finished that class Oh really? Yeah. So I, never mind. No matter. Scratch that from the record. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. The other item I have in there is this book called Crucial Conversations. So in 2012, I just got to San Antonio, and so in San Antonio, my job was to move people around for the airport, Air Force. So I was a, what we call an assignments officer, and so in that job, like. Where someone moves next is probably like that's the most important thing that's happening to them in their lives for that year, like where they're moving. And so, and you can't always get someone to where they want to go. And so, you have a lot of challenging conversations because sometimes you got to tell people, hey, I know you wanted to go to LA, but we like LA already has too many people there. So, we have to send you to um, Ohio or something like that. And so, and then the other thing is you'll have people that are higher ranking than you and they've they want someone or they they want someone of a certain rank and we don't have anyone to send them. And so then you got to tell them, hey, I know you want a major, but I'm going to send you the next lower ranking person because that's all we, ha- all we have. So there's a lot of challenging conversations in that job. And I found this book crawl- called Crucial, Crucial Conversations. <clears throat> and it, I thought it was just excellent in, in figuring out how to talk to people when emotions are high and when people are getting kind of wound up and how to kind of navigate through that conversation and be successful. Think about like what do you really want out of that conversation and kind of look for look for they call it when the person's like has left safety when they basically are no longer in the discussion, they're just mad and they're letting their emotions take over and trying to figure out how you can get back into actually having a discussion, but I like that book helped me a ton in those conversations and then I basically oh, then like every people I worked with in that job, I had them read it. And then when I was in LED, I had all my uh, flight commanders, like all the people that worked for me, I had them read that book so that at least you have a good uh, baseline when you're talking about like when people start arguing, you can, you can have a basically like a vocabulary to be able to kind of work through that. But I highly, crucial conversations. I highly recommend that book. Nice. Who's have it? you read Do you remember it? the author? No, I haven't. I'm, it's, uh, my, it's going on my book list, dude. You have to read it. I don't even know who the like. If you look at, you'll you'll find it. Just crucial conversations. I, okay. I don't remember. The, it's like two or three people that are the authors. <clears throat> they also did 
something about crucial accountability or something like that. That that one's okay, but de- crucial conversations is the best. Sounds good. I mean, that's a <clears throat> that's a hard skill to be both assertive and sensitive in those conversations for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's that book has a lot. Of, I'm, in fact, we're, we'll get to it. But like one of my goals in 2016 is just to go back and review that book, just because I know there's things in there that. I mean, you can't. You're not gonna be able to take all the tips in there at once. So, mm-hmm. like, you can read through it. Maybe you can grab one or two and start using those. And then, like, maybe the next year you're like, oh, like I've started to get better at these. Now I'm gonna grab these other two tips or something like that. So I'm gonna definitely be going back to re- reread that book. <clears throat> yeah, it is kind of amazing. Um, just when you're when you're trying to improve specific areas like that, how it can it can spike for a little bit, but you're always going to regress a little bit after, after you've gotten through that time period. So yeah, going back and reviewing, especially like a year later where you can see those macro trends about yourself start coming out is so effective in terms of overall growth, you know, not, right. not two weeks or two months, new year's resolution style, but where that's actually changed you specifically as a right. person. So I'm jumping ahead here, but like one of the thing that I want to work on for 2016 is taking notes whenever I'm reading a nonfiction book because what it's one thing to have to go back and reread the entire book, but it would be awesome to just go back and review your notes. I don't know if it... See, I'm still, still trying to figure out what to take notes on and how, like how, what the format is for them, how many notes I should take, but that's something that I think I haven't done well in the past. I've, I mean, I've read a decent amount of books, but I have never taken notes, so I feel like probably there's a lot of information that I've lost yeah. But then well, I'm, I mean, I think, it, I think wouldn't it come down to a little bit why you're reading that book? Like each specific book may have a different set of, of rationale for what your notes are going to be. Right. Yeah. But I'm just like, do I make notes? Cause if you just like, do you make notes on the lesson or do you make notes on the story to like jog your memory? Like what the story is about the lesson? Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think the things that you want to remember and that stand out are, you know, things you might intend for conversation or things that you are going to change your habits or your thought processes that I don't, I mean, I, I think if you, if it's important, your brain will probably remember like the more episodic parts of the book where, you know, they're just telling a story or something like that. And if, if your brain doesn't remember those things, I, I would probably argue that it's not that important. Yeah. But yeah. I, I know what you're saying about being able to go back and read the Cliff Notes version that that are written by you and really jog your memory in terms of the storyline and the timeline and how things happen chronologically. Yeah, so that's something we're on. But what? So what? One thing that's related. There's this. Have you ever seen this website called Blinkist? Mm-mm. So Blinkist is a website that re, like they have people read these nonfiction books. They may have fiction too, and then they they write out like a summary of of all these like brand new books. Cause you know, you have clip notes on the old ones on the classics, but mm-hmm. not all the new ones. So this is on new books only. But the problem was like, yeah, I got the, I could get the, what the point of the book was, but all of the stories were cut out of it. And so like the intriguing mm. elements of it were no longer there. So I like, I never got into that, into using that. Yeah. <clears throat> I would be against that in general. Read yeah. a book. Right. <laughs> Spend time reading a book. They they said that maybe if you're like going to a conference and you want to be able to like conversate on certain books, then maybe you could use it for that. But if you really are doing it for your actual benefit, it probably isn't that helpful. All right. Yeah. So now I'm moving forward. I've got 
2013. Uh, I'm gonna my runner up here is something called community share agriculture and then grass fed meat. So I really started to look at at this point, kind of not just the like what food I was eating, but the quality of the food I was eating. So I found community share agriculture is where uh, usually it's a, a local farmer will kind of pull together a bunch of different vegetables and you pay them up front and then each week they deliver a basket of vegetables to you. And I started doing this in San Antonio. It was really cool. The Well, actually it was a meat and vegetable uh, basket that we were doing, but it was cool because we would get new vegetables that I wouldn't ever buy in the store, but like you had them now, so you had to figure out how to cook them. So like the first time we had something weird was this thing called, well, first of all, it looks like it's this white, like disc squash looking thing. And so we're like, what? We're like looking through our bags. We always wanted to see what interesting stuff we had. And so we found this white squash and we're like, what is this? So we had, we took it back to the farmer and uh, the farmer goes, oh yeah, that's a scallop squash. And he goes, hey, here's what you need to do with that. Slice it in half, uh, like across the equator or whatever. And then Mm -hmm. like cut, take out the seeds. And then he's like, you know, you guys have some ground goat in there in that bag. So take the ground goat, add some spices to it. And then like put it into like a sandwich or like stuff it and then put it in the oven on 350 for like, I don't know, 30 minutes. And man, that, that thing was awesome. But I never like, I probably wouldn't have bought goat and I wouldn't have bought a scallop squash if I wouldn't have no. uh, done the CSA. <laughs> I don't think so. But the cool There's thing. There's not a lot of recipes that have either of those. Yeah. But the cool thing was like the vegetables you had were just like the taste was so much better than what you would get in the store. And like some like arugula was so spicy. It was it didn't even taste like what the arugula you would get in the store. Uh, <clears throat> so that was that was a cool thing that I, that uh, I found. And the, the nice thing is like you're buying locally from a farmer, too. So it's that's you're kind of supporting the local community. So. There's that other benefit too, uh, but my number one thing, sure. my number one thing for that year is the five minute journal. I don't know if I've have I talked about the five minute journal on this. You mentioned it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, so the five minute journal. So I'm like definitely, if you want to call it a diary, I was, I would not have been into that up until like well even now, but like I'm not like a diary person. But I was reading about the benefits of of keeping a journal and. Also, I don't want to take like, I'm not going to sit down for an hour to write this journal. So this thing kind of, okay, so it's only five minutes and it's and it's a journal. So it's less like intimidating. But the concept of the, the five minute journal is that you take and you write in it about five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening. And in the morning, you write, first of all, th- three things that you're grateful for. And then and it's not, it doesn't have to be like long, you just whatever's on your mind you kind of have to think about it and it helps you to kind of internalize and realize that, yeah, there are things that you can be grateful for. Then you write three things that you want to do for the day. So it kind of gets you in the mindset of like, okay, what am like, what am I working on? What am I trying to do? And then an affirmative statement and the affirmative statement is something you were work, you're working on. So like if you're trying to eat healthier, then you just, you write out, I'm making healthy decisions when I eat lunch or whatever. And then that kind of puts your mind in the, uh, like gets your mind in that mindset thinking that way. And then in the evening you write three things, three amazing things that happened to you that day. And some like when I first started, I was thinking, man, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find three amazing things every single day. But once you get into it, there there is always amazing things that happen. And sometimes you have to like, it's not going to be like grand or whatever, but there are things that, that 
that are really cool that happen every single day. And I think this helps you to realize it on a daily basis, but also when you go back, uh, you like it's just cool to go back and think about, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That Those couple things were cool. So uh, three amazing things, and then finally just one thing that you could do better. So uh, just kind of get trained your mind to think in those areas, and it doesn't take a long time, but I think it's been really beneficial and kind of making sure I have the right attitude throughout the day, throughout the year. Sure. I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm, I'm starting that in 2016. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. I think it seems like it's very steadying in terms of, uh, being positive And also, like you said, just being appreciative of, of what you have daily, because it's really easy to let those things slide past and, and to dwell on the negative things or, or sometimes just on the mundane, um, in terms of getting bored. Cause I'm, I'm one that's somewhat easily to boredom. Yeah. All right. So that's 2013. So 2014, uh, the, the first thing that's my runner up is bulletproof coffee. So bulletproof coffee, many people probably probably heard this, but this is where you put butter in your coffee and like, it sounds terrible, but you ha- so first of all you have to blend it if you just try to mix it in with a spoon like it kind of works but it is not the same so and really what butter is is just it is just cream so it's like, it's like you're putting cream in your coffee and then the point of the bulletproof coffee is that you use grass-fed butter so you're not just getting like crappy fat you're actually getting fat that is healthy for you and the, like the cow's been eating grass and it's it's giving you a lot of nutrients and things that your body needs and then they also add a little bit of coconut oil in there as well. Um, the Basically, the Bulletproof Coffee and Bulletproof Diet, the concept is that humans can eat more healthy fats, but like healthy fats, not just crap. And uh, like I've, I think I've really started doing that and I've found that that uh, I've tried before to just eat like protein and, and healthy vegetables, but I always felt like there was something missing. And it like wasn't right, and I think what was missing was the healthy fats out of the diet. So uh, I think adding those in was something I'll continue doing. Something I found out in 2014. Yeah, and if you're a coffee fanatic and you have some old coffee and you want to spice it up a little bit, the bulletproof coffee is my number one recommendation. Throw in butter, coconut oil, a little bit of cinnamon. Oh, cinnamon. And some, okay. And some, and then some vanilla at the end, and blend that up, and it is. It's primo. Nice. Okay. No. And then uh, 2014, my number one is meditation. And so before 2014, I like I thought meditation was where you sat cross-legged with like incense around you, and it was like, and you chanted uh, ohms like for ten minutes or whatever. So like it was kind of a weird thing to me. I didn't ever actually seriously consider it. But then I heard about this app called Headspace. And Headspace, like the first thing it talks about is is that all you're doing is focus, like at its core, you're just being mindful of your breathing and focusing on your breathing. And like there are other things that like once you get into the app that, that they talk about that they have you focus on, but like really you're just sitting there in a normal posture. You don't have to be sitting crazy, like weird and just focusing on your breathing and living in the present. You're not thinking about things you regretted about doing earlier in the like year or day. You're not thinking about what's on your to-do list that you're trying to work on later in the day or tomorrow. Like you're just sitting in the present and just enjoying uh, sitting there in the present and just letting your thoughts flow by. So 
I started doing that in 2004, like the probably April of 2014, and I've been doing it pretty much ever since. I got Frank doing it recently. That's right. What's I'm your a, initial take? Um, I haven't necessarily found my rhythm with it yet. I think um, <clears throat> I think the 10 minute sessions that we you start off with on the app were really good, and I was getting really into it. And then moving up to level two, it goes up to 15 minutes, and I've oh, okay. I've really I've really struggled <laughs> in that 15 minute space of of staying focused and not getting distracted. But I am 100 percent committed to to making it through to the uh the 20 minute because i i think there is a ton of value the Damn. days where <clears throat> i have actually been focused and i was listening to joe rogan experience uh, a couple weeks ago and he was saying you know he meditates every day and if he can get two to three minutes of focused time that he feels so refreshed and and ready to to go on um so i mean uh, that's that's encouraging to me because i'm like i i might get a minute right now but he's been meditating for a number of years so well the other thing that i've heard is that like it's not even that the time that you're focused it's really just the act of you recognizing that you're lost your train of thought and moving back towards focus like Mm. just that act of moving back towards the focus will help you like other times during the day when you're when you're in a slimmer situation and you need to move back to to uh focusing on the present so nice. that's, if you that's could, encouraging. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but then, man, there's other ones where, cause they start, there's like one concept, uh, visualization where you think about like a, a ball of light in the center of your chest. And like, I'm telling you, I, there, it was a 30, 30, like day, uh, meditation. And the first 20, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't even know what's going on. I can't focus. But then when, for whatever reason, like the like at 25, something clicked. And I'm like, oh, now I get it. But there have been at least two different packs where I had to go to all the way to, to 25 before like something clicked. So it's, on some of those, just got to power through. Yeah. <clears throat> A lot of value in powering through everywhere. Yeah. All right. So... Yeah. 2015 this is uh the last year so uh two things related to my health so the first there's a book called ready to run by kelly starrett and i have these are like this foam rolling mobility mobility wide like those had been kind of like third runner-ups throughout my life and uh so his book is kind of about doing daily mobility exercises so that you're you have the like flexibility, not just flexibility, but your joints are mobile enough to where you can actually work out. And I think I had lost that. Like you can probably, I probably was too into weightlifting and I had lost, like I definitely lost some of, some of my mobility. So that's something that I started focusing on. But one of the things that he recommends is having flat shoes. So when you have shoes with big heels, it, uh, it shortens your heel cord. And then and basically, like, remove and causes you to walk weird because you just pound your heel into the ground. So you have this big uh, heel pad to hit. And so he recommends getting flat shoes. So I've done, I have flat athletic shoes now. And so I'm in the Air Force. I, this last year, I've mostly worn my blues, which are the kind of like the business suit. And so I'm wearing black Oxfords. And I found some black Oxfords that are flat shoes. And like, what they're a little bit uncomfortable at first but once i have them broken in like i love walking around in those things 
So flat when shoes. You're, when you were describing this <laughs> before, I was imagining like five fingers. And oh, no, no, no. And I was like, this is, that's going to be amazing. You need to send me the link immediately. Yeah, they're not like five fingers. They're, <laughs> they're like le- just leather shoes, but they just like nice leather shoes, but there's just no heel on it. They're actually made by no, they look good. Vivo Barefoot, which which primarily makes running shoes, but they made these um, these leather shoes, and I like them. But my number one thing for 2015 is a stand-up desk. So when I first got, I I, I kind of wanted one when I was in Qatar, but I never got around to figuring out how to do it. And then there's a guy I work with in my office. He said, so he used to work like, he was like, he was maintenance. So basically like mechanics. So he was like always moving around and everything. And then he got to do our job contracting where you're sitting at a desk. And he said after the first day, he felt like he had just been beat. And so he's been standing in with using various like makeshift desks since 1996. But that's so pretty awesome. He was telling me about it, and like so, we basically both went in, and now I have the stand-up desk where it adjusts. So like if I I try to have it set up standing when I when I first arrive, it's so like I'll check my email, I'll do like whatever easy things I can start like look around <clears throat> standing, and then. If I want to sit down and do something that that requires more concentration or that I want to sit down for, then it's just like within ten seconds I can just swap it down. But like now, when I when I if I have to sit down for a long time, like it hurts and it just feels terrible. So it's interesting how you like once you're kind of in that situation, like you don't realize how bad your body feels until you're kind of out of it. Yeah. Call, have have you me have you considered a stand up desk? Definitely consider it. <clears throat> Seems like a lot of work. What do you mean, I'm, like, I'm, pay, like to work too much work to move it up and down to set it up or to like stand the whole time? To to stand the whole day just seems. You don't set to seems, stand the, the whole day. You can go up and down. <laughs> we'll we'll see. I'll I'll talk to uh, our uh, ergonomics team at work. See what you should, see what we can come up. Yeah, with. you should check it out. All right, so I can't even get I can't even get my computer monitor high enough for me just seated right now, <laughs> let alone standing. I'm standing right now at my. You're going to cause me to become a hunchback if you, <laughs> if you make me stand up at my desk. Well, you have to have the right setup for sure. You, but yeah, definitely. Anyway, so consider it. Check it out. I think the desk costs like 270 bucks. <clears throat> for sure. All right, that's it. That's my. Running that's through. a good list that's a really good list that gives me something to shoot for in, in volume two um did you have any other extra I'm, I'm sorry i cut you off did you have any additional thoughts no i think that's that's all i have for uh for the list that was fun can put, you pull it's fun putting can you pull together. out any macro <laughs> no <laughs> go ahead no well i it's so first of all it's fun putting together and then also like the thing like i don't know if it would be interesting to know if like these things cause because these are like big things themes in my life like I like what I'm eating is important to me uh, like lifting and working out is important to me skiing is important to me recently these things like like I've started thinking more about like your mental health uh, previously I worried about physical health but now like five minute journal meditation those things are more important to me so I wonder if if these uh, items have like caused me to kind of look in that direction or if I was already looking in that direction and then these are just happen to be the best things out there. Not hmm. sure. Interesting. 
I, I, it's probably a little bit of both and there's probably a lot of positive reinforcement as you're you're feeling healthier and feeling better about your overall well-being because I know <clears throat> I was doing really well with uh, fitness and and being focused on a lot of things before I left on a two-week vacation during the vacation I was I felt kind of miserable because I wasn't doing those things and I was just like full of anxiety and angst and just overall frustration because I I had broken out of those habits. Absolutely. That like once you start working out regularly, stopping just it, you get anxious and it's it's not good. Not good at all. All right. Well, cool. So- what I was going to ask you was can you pull out any macro trends from from the last 12 years? Both on purchases and experiences. I mean, it seems like it's this it's it's a continual growth towards uh, more personal goals. I would say. Yeah. Well, there like there maybe like I started off with like my just general physical health, I guess, and then now I'm I'm moving toward more towards like like I said before, like thinking about my mental health more than uh than my physical health which one do you think is is harder i think mental health is harder because people like okay going to the gym every day like that's kind of like accepted or that's kind of a standard but meditating every day or you writing your journal like that's not i think it's harder to to quantify because like okay if i'm going to the gym i'm lifting weights it's like okay i can see my weights going up or i can see that i'm losing weight but when you say well what does meditation do for you? There, it's uh, significantly harder to quantify that. Or like, what does journaling do for you? I don't think it's as easy to, I mean, I guess you could say I'm more grateful or whatever, but I think it's harder, it's harder to measure. And so it's harder to, to be able to say, yeah, this is actually effective. Yeah, it's definitely harder to get pumped up too. Cause like going to the gym, you start blasting some music. There's no like final countdown version to getting ready for meditation. Right. You know, like you can't, you can't be like, all right, let's go. Let's get pumped up. Right. <laughs> Block out all distractions and thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's a really good list. And and like I said, we're going to be sharing that on a Google Doc so you guys can, can review that entire list. There's a few things that we didn't even have time to touch on. So go back through and, and look at those and, and feel free to add your own because we're, we're very interested to see what uh, has affected you guys the most over the past decade and change. And uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some interesting purchases and websites and, and things that you guys have considered that, that haven't been brought to, to our attention. So that would be, that'd be really cool for you guys to go in and add some things on there. Um, we're going to take a quick break and uh, listen to an ad from our sponsor, the uh, Monarchs of Liechtenstein, backed by a popular demand. This unpaid fictional ad is brought to you by the Monarchs of Liechtenstein, now streaming on Liechtenstein Mobile Express. This 34-part series saunters through the lives of Carl I, Joseph Wenzel I, King Alfred, and Franz Joseph II. That's just to name a few. The vast tapestry of the tiny empire has never been this visceral, fierce, and full of drama. Whether it's breathtaking aerial footage from Vadu's castle or historical reenactments from the award-winning cast, the Monarchs of Liechtenstein will keep your pulse racing through all 34 hours of Season 1. Tweet the hashtag, size doesn't matter, and you'll receive the first two episodes for free. Remember, that's Monarchs of Liechtenstein, now on Liechtenstein Mobile Express. All right, welcome back to Noise Canceling Pod. Thanks again to our fake sponsor, the Monarchs of Liechtenstein. Uh, feel free to uh, 
hit us up on Twitter and ask for some some questions about the the most recent episode. We give some in depth analysis to the Monarchs of Liechtenstein as it's one of our our favorite dramatic and comedic shows that's uh, live and streaming. <laughs> So uh, one thing we were going to talk about this week was we were going to go back and look at the top news stories of uh, 2015. And we kept kind of going back and forth. And one week we'd say, so you still want to talk about that? And we'd say, well, it's kind of kind of depressing. So what we, we decided to do was we're, we're not going to talk about news concepts, but we're just going to simply pour one out for 2015 and hope for uh, a better 2016. So here we go. That was... That was less climactic than I was hoping, but <laughs> you can imagine what was happening over here. It was not me peeing. It was, it was pouring water into a cup. So on to my list. So Axel talked a lot about purchases and he talked a lot about um, things, things in particular that changed his life. My list, I would say, is more focused on um, episodes or interactions or or things that changed my life in significant ways. Uh, going back, so Axel graduated in 2003. I actually started college in 2003 and I, I moved away from, I grew up in a small town in Iowa and uh, I moved away to uh, Air Force Academy in 2003. So I think that was such a huge change for me. It was uh, something where I, I had to step out of my comfort zone where you know you grow up in the same house, you have the same friends, you go to the same schools. And all of a sudden, everything was different. And I think that year was very uh, influential for the rest of my life because I, for the first time, I had people from different areas who, you know, said different things, who called Coke different things. And, you know, I'd say it's pop and it's soda would be the guy from Boston and, and so forth. Things that are somewhat in, inconsequential, inconsequential. But when, when you put that all together in a single year of that much change, um, it really kind of shakes you and, and says, you know, like all these things that you, you think, you know, maybe, maybe you need to put a little more critical thought into that. So I think just making that big first risk, um, in my life, I mean, shaped me so much. I mean, not just going to the Academy, but, you know, ending up being in contracting and going to Turkey and, and just the rest of my life. Like it's, if I went back now to an 18 year old Frank and explain to him what that one choice would would kind of put my life on a path to do. I mean, a hundred percent, I would, I would do it over again every single time, but I, I don't think I, I knew quite the, uh, the depth that I was getting into and the, the change that it was going to be. What, so that what, was 2003. Hey, what was, like, what were some of your other choices or what, how did you decide on the Academy? Yeah. So I wanted to play basketball and I wanted to play at, at the highest level that I could. So I had, some D2 schools in Minnesota, some D3 schools in Iowa, and a couple JUCOs that, you know, if I wanted to at some point get go to a different school in two years, I could I could try those out. And then the one D1 was uh, the Air Force Academy. So I, I thought, you know what, that's the best option. Just go for it, see what happens. And like I said in the previous um, episode, I was talking about failure. You know, I think um, not playing varsity there and not necessarily having a super successful basketball career has shaped me in so many positive ways that it's even hard for me to, to really put it all into, to words and to frame it because, you know, when, <laughs> when you're a person that thinks you're completely awesome to find out that you're not completely awesome at everything, uh, breaks you down a lot. So 
That was, I mean, honestly, there was no military rationale. There was no, honestly, higher calling at that point. It was just like, this is the best basketball program that I can go and play for. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that was 2003. It was, uh, <clears throat> it was a huge year of change. And that's going to be a theme on my list. Excuse me. <clears throat> that's going to be a theme on my list is just how much transi- transition has shaped me and how dealing with change and upheaval has... Uh, I would argue made me a much more rounded person and one person that, uh, definitely stress wise, you know, like I've been thrown into some pretty random situations. I know Axel has, and it's just like the more times you're thrown into random, crazy situations, the easier it is to deal with the next one. That's a hundred percent right. I think that's, <clears throat> that's one thing about confidence that's, it's hard to just tell someone hey you need to have more confidence like that really what you have to do is put people in situations where it's a little it's challenging they're not sure if they're going to be successful and then they're able to come through it and like that's how you build confidence it's not you can't just tell someone to have more confidence or you can't it's really hard to just internally decide i'm gonna have more confidence yeah for sure um I think the retrospection that we've talked about in the past too is really important to look back and say, you know, what what did I take away from this situation and why why was I either successful or unsuccessful that you can go back into the next situation and be like, I, I may have failed at this the last time, but now I'm better prepared. And even if I fail, I'm better prepared to handle that failure. Because I think that's the biggest thing for me is just to say, mm-hmm. you know, I can try anything new and if I suck at it, that's fine. You know, like that's, that's totally fine. Like I, I personally wanted to try this. I pushed myself as far as I could and here was the outcome. And I think after you've had both successes and failures, it's so much easier to deal with that. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Uh, 2004. So <clears throat> I'm sorry about this frog in my throat. 2004, um, was somewhat similar in that there were big changes, but the, the biggest one was just that I was really struggling academically. Uh, I was in some like physics classes and calculus classes that were way past my ability. And it was just, uh, it was an interesting time because I, I never really, I just kind of breezed through school in the past. So I'm, I'm struggling academically. I'm in classes that are way too hard for me. And it was, I had a specific week where I was really questioning everything. I wasn't on the varsity basketball team. I had an F in one class. I had a D in another class. I had a C minus in a third class. And I was just really like, is this where I should be? Um, and it's probably honestly, and this sounds like a super hum- humble brag, but it's, it's the one week of my life where I had real questions about if I was in the right place. Now, there are other times where I've been like, this sucks. I wish I wasn't here. But this was specifically questioning myself and questioning my my ability and motivations at the time. And so it was, it was a great thing to work through, but it was just a really hard week where I was like, I I honestly, I want to quit. Like, it's, it's too much work. And, what, uh, do you think, like, was the challenge that, like, you had too many things going on or was the challenge that you weren't focused or what... Like what was the thing that was that was causing your struggles? It was it was legitimately that I didn't understand how much I needed to and could work. Oh. It was the biggest thing. Like I just needed to put in more time. And it was a framework and a schema that I didn't have. I mean, in high school, you know, you do homework for a couple hours. This was like 
legitimately Saturday studying for 10 hours, Sunday studying for six or seven hours, you know, just being very focused, going into empty classrooms on on the campus, which was easy because I, <laughs> I didn't get to go anywhere because I was on academic probation. So that was, that, that worked out pretty well. How did you decide to, or how, how did you make the transition to realize I got to put in more work? I, it was honestly, I, I can't really explain it. It was just one of those organic things where all of a sudden during that week, I was just like, you know what? I need to do this. And if I'm going to, I have two months to change where I'm at and to see how it goes. And, you know, I spent two months, like I said, just studying constantly, studying harder than I have any stage before my life and possibly every stage after. I mean, there were definitely semesters where I studied really hard after that, but that was just like doing everything I could possibly do, going and seeing teachers, studying all the time where I was just like, I got to survive the semester and and get out of this hole. So you arrived at that like decision internally, like, do you think someone could have said something to you before that, that could have got you to realize what you needed to do? I don't think, I mean, I think it, it just took that failure. Like it took, right. I wouldn't have lit. If someone was like, Oh, you need to study hard. You need to do this. You need to do that. I would have just been like, whatever. Like I, I've gotten by before I'll get by again, but it was just like, you know what? You're failing based on what you have going. So like, you need to change something now. Yeah. And it was just like that week working through, like deciding whether or not uh, I wanted to be there. And I think even more than just deciding if I wanted to be there, um, deciding if the feeling of like the questioning feeling uh, was something that I could I could handle. Because after that week, I, I've never questioned being there again. I was just oh, like, wow. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in 100 percent. And so the one interesting thing about the academy is you have until the first day of your junior year to decide if you wanted to stay. So like you can you can go through your sophomore year and just leave without any commitment. Okay. But the first day of your junior year you walk into class, you're you're committed just as much as if you left the day before graduation. Oh wow, okay. So I mean it was still like a time period where I, I could easily just transfer to some other school and, and do whatever. So, I mean, that was, it was crazy that it was just like this really visceral week that I can remember so vividly of just struggling and, and feeling so in doubt of myself because it, it really doesn't happen very often. What, so did you just sit in your room and think about it or did you go work out or what, like, what were you doing? I mean, you're constantly doing stuff there. So, I mean, I had basketball practice still and I had class and it wasn't like a winter break or anything. It was just like, I mean, I had a lot more time because I was on academic probation, so I couldn't go anywhere. So, like, that that probably actually helped that I was just locked down, couldn't do anything, but just think about about my life and think about my choices. Right. So, I'm going to skip ahead to 2007 because the transition that I had in 2007, I... Other than having a kid, I haven't haven't had anything like it. So I graduated in May of 2007. I got married in June of 2007, and I moved to Turkey in August of 2007. And it was just like, that's crazy. I mean, like, even if you put me now into that person, like, there would be there would be struggles, and and it's just it's crazy to think back, like, just trying to handle that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 
smoothly, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's just so much change, so different than the college experience. And, I mean, luckily, luckily, professionally, we had good people there that, that kind of set me up. But, I mean, it could have been it could have been a bad year, honestly. It still wasn't an easy year. Like, we, yeah. we sorted out a lot of stuff in six months that I would guess some married couples spend 10 or 20 years sorting out. Right, but right. It was, uh, it was pretty interesting. And again, back to what we said, you know, it's the, those times of conflict and those times where you're, you're thrown into those situations where you understand like, oh, I can, I can handle this amount of stress. Like the, there needs to be a different level of um, discussion. Uh, openness, I think, are, are big things when you come across something that changes you. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, think, I think even though it was hard, um, it helped out in so many different ways. Uh, let's see, 2009... My last year in Turkey was really cool. We started a, a nonprofit coffee shop on base, and it changed a lot of things for me. It changed how I looked at people in the service industry. It changed the fact that I'm obsessed with coffee, um, and I, th- I think to a certain degree it, it changed a lot on um, feeling like I needed a job where I could serve people more. Um, and so, so it was, it what, was, it was, was just really, go, go, go what, ahead. What was your uh, position in the non, in the company? I mean, it, so it was a nonprofit on base in Turkey at Indrilik across from the O Club. Like, were you selling coffee beans or were you serving coffee like a Starbucks? We served all, yeah, we served all free drinks. Um, it was just donation only. Um, and yeah, just people would come in, order what they wanted. There'd be a suggested donation they'd give or not give and... Yeah, it was like I was just working in a coffee shop as a barista. But yeah, so I mean, we we helped uh, the original setup, and uh, my wife Katie did a lot of the design, and we, you know, we did shopping for it. Like when we were in Germany, we we bought a bunch of stuff for the coffee shop and brought it back with us from from I, the real from the European IKEA. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like we were pretty pretty invested and involved, and we spent you know three at least three nights a week working there, I think. Two or three nights a week. What was like the number one thing you, you would say you learned from that experience? I mean, so it was twofold. I mean, for me, it was that I enjoyed serving people um, and interacting with them and, and giving them something that uh, was maybe comforting or enjoyable and, and doing that in a way where I got to show them maybe something new, like a new coffee drink or okay. a new flavor that they hadn't before. So like it was, it was personally enjoyable. And then I think the, the reverse of that is that, you know, so many people that you interact with at, at coffee shops or I always go back to like Jimmy John's drive. I don't mean to laugh Jimmy John's drivers, but I always think of that's like my, the least favorite job I would ever want to do is to be a Jimmy John's driver. And I just, I feel like I have so much more empathy uh, for those positions and not in not in any sort of uh, belittling way it's just you know those aren't those people's dreams in general you know sometimes right. you'll come across a barista that really wants to chat you up but in general they're like I just need money like I want to pay rent like I, I have a different dream and so to come in there and be an asshole um, or to be like you got my drink wrong and ruin their day is just so self-righteous and self-centered and I used to do this thing. I would go to 
fast food restaurants and just ordering like some insane voice or like something that was really hard to understand and, and kind of messing around with them. But I'm just like, dude, you can't like be as respectful of those people as you would of almost any other industry because right. they don't yeah. want they don't want to be right. There. So it just really shifted shifted my perspective a lot. Skipping ahead a little bit, so I would say some some bigger takeaways in 2011. My favorite purchase this is my only purchase story. I purchased a, a 1981 uh, road bike. It was a Japanese made road bike, road bike, um, and it was a piece. It weighed 35 pounds. It was so heavy, um, but it was because my friend had just mentioned in passing that he wanted to do a uh, century bike ride. So he wanted to ride 100 miles before he turned 30. And he'd mentioned in passing, just like, oh, I wish, you know, like, I really wish I could do that. And I said, well, let's do it, man. Like, let's just, let's just figure out how to do it. And like, before he had even like said officially, no, I'd already bought this bike. And I was like, all right, let's start going. Did let's he already have a so bike? He had a bike. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he just had, he just had like a regular hybrid. Um, and so we just started training kind of, um, I wouldn't say nonchalant, but we were like, okay, we'll do, we'll push it up to 10. Then we'll, we'll just keep going from there. And so in, in three months we got up, our long ride was, we did like a 66 miler in Boston. And, uh, we, we ended that ride going over, I forget what, it was like the bridge in Chelsea. I'd, I'd picked out the route and somehow I'd ended up on a bridge that was like under construction. And so we I were just I, riding I, along I this I, bridge. I must've been still there. I think, I think I was still yeah. there at that point. Yeah. I remember that story. Yeah, because we were right on this bridge and we were just like, go, go, go. And people like honking. It's oh Boston, gosh. so people were like yeah. honking, not giving us any space. But yeah, so it was like three and a half months later, we finally rode rode 103.5 miles around Boston. It was just, I mean, that was a pretty, pretty big realization for me. It's just like, if you can latch on to other people's dreams <laughs> like yeah like that's that's like this that's the space to be because then those people are going to be just as invested as you right um and it's so much more fun like your own dreams are fun to realize but to like realize a dream with somebody else and something that they've thought about for so long is just it's really fun it's so fun oh that is cool uh 2013 uh, my wife and I went on what was called the baby bucket list trip while she was pregnant. And so we went on this 5,300 mile drive. Um, it was from, from Iowa all the way out. It was like, we rode interstate 80 from Iowa all the way to San Francisco. And okay. then we did, we did all the, all of Northern California. We did a bunch of stuff in Oregon, Washington, Olympic national park, uh, were you guys Lake McDonald? Were you guys Oregon coast, or yeah, we did we did both. So so we went to Eugene. Uh, my wife has family that lives in Eugene. Then we went up to the coast, and then we did Portland too. So we hit hit a few spots in Oregon. But yeah, I mean it was it was places I had never been before. And yeah, I mean stuff that like the redwoods unbelievable in northern california i mean it's just so cool you don't you see pictures of it and you're like oh i get what 300 feet tall trees feel like but you're like no right sure didn't get it sure didn't get it at all so that was really cool and and something i would highly recommend is to you know if you have anything that you really want to do before having a baby uh, not because babies ruin everything because they are amazing and my favorite thing that has ever happened to me but because for me 
I didn't want to have any sort of regret lingering or a regret that I would project onto to Ivan. I wanted to have a clean slate and be like, okay, I'm I'm ready for this now. So the baby bucket list trip was pretty awesome. I so I don't have a a baby, but I have this theory that you can just put the baby in a papoose and just do everything that you would normally do. <laughs> hey, you know, more more power to you. You can you can papoose it. <laughs> All you want, and and I wish you the best of luck in in being exactly the same as you are before, because we'll uh, we'll see how that works out. But uh, yeah, I mean, people people make it seem like it's it's this crazy thing, or that it's it's gonna impact your life negatively. But it's just like it's it's such amazing perspective to be like, this is a new human being that I'm responsible for for the next eighteen years. Hopefully, eighteen, Ivan, get out of the house. But. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? Like, that's just like mind blown. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and you can try to prepare as much as you want, but like your mind probably will never fully wrap around it. So my, my final note, and I'm, I'm skipping around a bunch. Uh, and like I said, the full list will be up. My, one of my favorite finds, um, of this year, it's a Tibetan throat choir, uh, noise machine. So this is super random, but I've just found in the last, couple weeks that i listen to it constantly and my focus is so much better just like not a proportional amount where you're like oh just listen to the waves or just listen to white noise disproportionately better in terms of of blocking out other stimuli and just really being able to focus on whatever the task is that's amazing i so you, yeah you should you, you should check me it the out link, but i like i didn't really get what's go what you're talking about but i'll have to go back and check that out yeah, you got to check it out. It's it's unreal, and and if anybody tries it and and doesn't like it, uh, you probably just need to keep messing around with. Because the the cool part about it, will you will you post a link too to that? Yeah, yeah, I'll put it up there. The cool thing about that is you can move around uh, all the different voices, and so you you can find a sound that uh, is most harmonious to your ear, and and something that makes you you really be able to focus. So I, I love that. I can't believe how much I like, I've been telling so many people about this Tibetan throat choir and everyone's like, what? I, how, I hey, how, how are we not having like 30, 30 seconds of this Tibetan throat choir playing? Maybe I'll cut Maybe I'll throw it in here. You if should, you, you, you can sit, throw it in at the end. So you said, yeah, you said you'll send me your, your, uh, like the 32nd of your best, your best little, whatever, tone that you like and then yep. i'll throw it in at the end so people can get a little taste because people like i'm i was too lazy to check it out but maybe if we had throw it in here at the end people will be intrigued yeah you gotta be intrigued uh, maybe and some people may just throw it on a repeat 30 second they, loop they should well they'll have the link so they won't need to yeah. so they'll uh but yeah it's on it's you can have it on all your devices too i've literally i've had it on like 85 percent of my work day the last <laughs> this is the incredible. last two weeks like it, it's insane does it stream or is it a like a download um i'm not sure i think you can actually download hmm. download a loop um but i just stream it huh okay um, all right yeah. i'm checking it out so we'll we'll link it up we'll put it on the end you guys can can comment give us feedback and say frank you're crazy or it's crazy how well it works because that's that's my take nice. so let's let's switch a little bit i know we're running a little short on time but let's get to our goals of 2016 all so right. actually you go first all right so my 
my number one goal is I so I've kind of had my my um my finances in this application called Mint. So what you do is you you give it like you put all your um, all your different account information, and then it tracks all of the all of your spending, all of your income, all of your investments, and categorizes everything. And like I've kind of used it, but I haven't actually like my stuff has been in there, and I've kind of been keeping track, but I haven't ever actually modified my spending habits based on that. I just kind of saw what I did, and I didn't actually. I think I haven't been as mindful as I could be when I'm spending. So my goal is to use it daily and primarily I want to make actually see that I'm modifying my spending habits versus just going like mindlessly through the day and then at the end of the day categorize the spending that I wasn't actually thinking about when I made. So that's my nice. number one goal. That's what about yours? I feel like <laughs> I'm like 2016 is the year of catching up to Axel. Uh, Cause my first, my first two are journaling and meditation. I'm excited um, to see that. Yeah, me too. I think uh, I'm super excited about the uh, the journaling part. I think, uh, like you said, I need to, I need to employ some powering through on the meditation and just keep uh, just keep going. I didn't realize, I, I know it's there. I think I I was in there early enough that they let you get to all the restless stuff without having to go through the 15 and 20 minute. Like when I first started, I only liked 10, and then I kind of transitioned to 15, and 15 was good. I tried 20, and 20 was like 20 was too long. And I want, I'm right now I'm at 10 because I kind of got a little bit out of that habit, but uh, yeah, going up to 15 and then 20 is a long, it is a long time for sure. Especially yeah. every day. And, and like you, like you said, like it's hard to carve out that space in your life where people aren't like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. Like, like right now I'm trying to carve out time over lunchtime where I can just close my cubicle door and meditate. Right. And it's just like somebody knocks on my door, rings my phone, like all of a sudden you're like, oh man. Yeah. It sucks. Did, but hey, yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard to carve out the time. Did I tell you that when I was in uh, Qatar, I made my entire, like, at one of my staff meetings, we meditated for 10 minutes? Yeah, for sure. You told me that. That's that's awesome. That's what, being a good boss right there. One of my guys said he just fell, he admitted to me later that he just fell asleep. He said it was a wonderful nap. 10 minutes <laughs> hey, is a good, good amount of time to, to get a nap, for that's sure. Good. I'd be lying if I said, if I didn't say that I had fall asleep at all yeah. so far. There were a couple in the take 10 that I f- fell asleep for the last three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, so uh, yeah. my number two that I'm working on is I mentioned earlier that I, I'm trying to work on, improve my mobility. So what I want to do is take, and I usually do something before I work out or lift, but what I'm trying to do is in the evenings, I want to do at least 10 minutes every day working on uh, like my joint mobility. So that's just like a 10 minute reminder that I'm trying to, to add in the evening. That's a good goal. That is a great goal. Yeah. I mean, I think stretching and mobility is going to be that, that next phase of fitness that's I think going to take off pretty soon because especially with the baby boomers getting old, older, sorry, excuse me, baby boomers getting older, <laughs> mobility, um, and flexibility are such a huge thing and something that really hasn't been, been practiced a ton. So yeah, that, that's a good one. My uh, other goal is uh, to run the Nashville Marathon April 30th. Where's that at? The Nashville Marathon. It's located in downtown Nashville on oh, April Nashville. 30th. I got you. I thought you said <laughs> yeah, National. No, no, Nashville Marathon. Okay, nice. Um, What's training's your... going all right. Oh, so you've already started? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, the next week is six weeks. Um, and I'm just doing a beginner plan, so it's 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 ramped up pretty slowly. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, but yeah, I think we'll see. Week uh, week eight is where you really start to tell like if your body's going to be able to hold up to it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's when that's when you're getting over ten miles and the the injuries start mounting. Hey, well, so as we were talking about, make sure you're focused on your mobility. Taking no, I, that's I. Honestly, when you were talking about that, I was like, "Oh, I need to work on that hip flexion." I may have to real see bad. This book. You should. All right. I would love to read it. That's because that relates to my one of my last goals, which is reading two books a month. Oh, okay. Because so, I've really been slacking on the so reading. So I don't have a specific book number, but like I mentioned before, I really want to figure out how to take notes, and I don't want my note taking to be like to where it ruins the fun of reading. So I have to figure out what like what the balance is and what what I should be taking notes on. I my what I want to do this week is like there's a couple people that have posted their notes that they've taken on different books. So I want to see kind of just what notes they've taken, just so I can kind of understand. Um, and because it's weird, you know, like when I was in school, I like I guess I knew what to take notes on because I must have known what the tests were. But like now when I'm just taking notes for my own personal self. I think it's not as clear to me. And then the other, yeah, then, for sure. And no, then, I think uh, next time I'm in a nonfiction book, I'll see what I can pull up. And then, well, I mean, then the other thing is, I gotta figure out. Okay, do I take notes? If I take notes on a pamphlet, like how do I archive them? How do I like? I'm tr- how do I index these notes? Uh, do I use Evernote? So I'm trying to figure out also like how do I how do I manage the notes once they're completed? So that's something that I'm still trying to figure out. Once you figure that out, you gotta you gotta put in like a thirty minute mini episode on on youtube on your note taking yeah well i think i think the nerds out there will really <laughs> like it i'm trying different techniques that i found so i'm still trying to work through what works for me oh I, I got one last one that you're gonna love my other goal i've decided i'm eliminating news from all my feeds oh they're I'm, really? I'm, I'm, I'm done i um <laughs> i i feel like all i do is waste time and i have more important books or things that i want to read and because these things are just like sitting there popping up all the time, they are a distraction. So it, they're certainly off my phone, and I want. I think I'm taking as much as I can. I'm just eliminating it. Yeah, I I don't think that's a bad idea. I'm interested I've, to see if I if like I find my like I'll still so there's still like a a little summary that I get emailed to at work every day. That's like a military specific one. So like I'll still read through that. But other than that. I don't think I'm gonna miss it. We'll I'm gonna see. have to start bring. Well, I'm gonna have to need like a news segment at the start at the start of each podcast to get you caught up on what's <laughs> that, happening. Yeah, we may have to add that in. <laughs> the, the 30 second news of the week. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that is uh, that's the end of uh, episode five. Um, which side note was the original number that we agreed to to make and reevaluating, but. I know from my standpoint, I'm I'm gonna keep doing. It. If Axel stops, I'm still gonna keep going by myself and just uh, just record by myself. So are you are you in or out? You hey, gotta make the decision right that's now. That's a great job to call me out here at the end of the episode, but I like it. And I'm in. <laughs> I'm in for some more episodes. <laughs> good, good. Because I I can't wait. If you guys have any questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Um, again, I'm totally blanking on our Axel. What's our Twitter handle? It's Noise Cancel Pod noise cancel pod so so hit us up any questions any comments any concerns 
if you need to give Axel a news update, feel free to do that as well. Uh, he won't be reading it because it may not come in on his news feed. That's but, true. But, but he'll, he'll need the information now for <laughs> sure. So thanks for listening. Um, we look forward to you guys listening next week. And keep the comments rolling. Thanks a lot. All right. Hey, uh, enjoy this Tibetan throat choir. <laughs>